Hey, and welcome back to the Humble and Brag podcast. We're trying a new format with this episode. We're just going to have one main talking point and some questions around that. How are you, Ed? I'm doing well. Got a few questions prepared for you. Oh. Um, so then we're going to try and talk a little bit slower. We have to remember to talk a little bit slower. This is it. I've already felt like I've done the intro quite fast. There's more gravitas. More gravitas, more pause, mm-hmm. more finesse. But this is the new, improved, sore talking Humble and Brag podcast. Welcome back. How are you? Let us know in the comments. You mentioned you had a couple of talking points for this episode. What would you like to cover? First of all, let's start off with an easy one. So you've worked in YouTube for how long now? As in worked with YouTube as a channel for the last five years or so? Yeah, I would say the last five years. Okay, and worked at two, two, two companies? Yes. So looking back, if you were starting out, what three things would you do differently in order to achieve the kind of success that you've had perhaps more quickly or otherwise achieve even if it's possible even bigger success (laughs) even if it's possible that's a good question i think if i was to start from scratch and do things slightly differently i would probably encourage myself and or the team that i'm working in to spend a week or two just deep diving into a whole bunch of youtube creators that talk about how to be successful on the platform i feel like in the past i did this kind of piecemeal, like if I had a specific problem that came up after a few months of publishing, I would go and research and try and figure out how to refine that. But I would literally just spend, and this is maybe something that we can provide for people, a pool of nice resources that people can go in and and learn about the platform and how Mm -hmm. how to succeed in it. So I'd probably spend a couple of weeks doing that with the team and making sure everyone's on the same page and yeah, kind of up to scratch with what needs to be done. A second thing I would do, I would really... And this is maybe where I, I didn't do this in the last four or five years, but I would definitely spend a lot more time thinking about the composition and the concepts behind video thumbnails. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we, we'll talk about this later, but thumbnails are a huge part of YouTube and YouTube success on the platform. And I think I would spend a bit more time carefully mapping out what we need to do, what would be kind of an enticing curiosity arousing thumbnail mm-hmm. uh, and i think a lot of the time just given time frames and turnaround times thumbnails are kind of done as a last ditch thing after the shoot you take some nice snaps with some you know silly poses like this mm-hmm. but definitely really doubling down into what the competition are doing and refining the thumbnails to really pop out against that i think i've definitely had some success with thumbnails but definitely building that workflow into the, the team structure and then third and this is maybe where i started off quite strong but i think it's definitely lapsed because it does take a lot of time is community management mm-hmm. either advocating maybe for a dedicated community manager or perhaps a social media manager to come in and help but i definitely feel engagement on videos is a big lever for success and you find that if you go back and answer a bunch of comments on a video that's been live for maybe two or three years you do you get a flurry or increase in, in mm-hmm. viewership so i think having a bit more of a regulated workflow with uh, community management and maybe having someone in-house to do that and advocating for that would be would be key. So these are all maybe quite tactical things. I don't know if you wanted more over, overarching like strategic things, but I think these are kind of tactical things that I would do as a sort of YouTube producer, YouTube manager mm-hmm. today to ensure that the business had a successful channel mm-hmm. or maybe a successful channel a little bit quicker. Okay, so to, to summarize? I've forgotten my points now. <laughs> uh, to summarize, I think I would definitely almost have like a little almost like a little learning sprint with the team, uh, presume if there is a team in place, if not, whoever's advocating for the channel, I would definitely spend some time just doing some deep R&D research mm-hmm. and development on the platform. Secondly, I would really 
develop a quite a robust thumbnail ideation process and like and, and and bringing that into the kind of content production more as a a kickoff rather than like an afterthought mm-hmm. and then thirdly i think just really robust community management again it takes time and the benefit of youtube is yes it's evergreen and these pcs mm-hmm. these video pcs produce views and engagement for years to come but then you also have to figure that you get kind of an exponentially increasing amount of comments coming in and and from your viewership. Mm-hmm. So that could, that would be the, the third point. I think to come back to the idea of developing the YouTube thumbnails, for me that has a lot of uh, connections to basically any other marketing channel where you can kind mm. of start with the hook or start with the angle of the video and you want to get something that obviously inspires some degree of curiosity. Mm-hmm. I was just checking the camera. <laughs> was recording, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's recording, just fine. So, yeah, and the same with the thumbnail. Like You want to know the, the title of the YouTube video. Mm ideally exactly what it's going to be yeah and have a good idea that it's going to be clicked upon and they're going to stand out against mm-hmm. kind of the millions of other youtube videos out there yeah 100 um, so i think that's the same in there with the community management it's the same thing and i think you often hear creators talk about that as well that often the kind of social component is mm-hmm. forgotten in social media that you're actually there to talk to your audience and like i think creators obviously that's really essential to what they do but companies often completely neglect it mm. so you get a lot of comments a lot of interest and then there's kind of this barren wasteland from the company side. Well, definitely for a business, I think community management, essentially if on any other platform, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram, you are reflecting the company. So like, mm. there's all, there's, I can understand there's a bit of trepidation around tone of voice and like the brand image as well, and like style guidelines in terms of how, how you respond and what kind of style you go with in terms of your response. And I think that hopefully the benefit of us having our own channel is that we can just respond as ourselves, kind the hard keep a kind of conversation on and fun and i think when you're representing a company it's maybe a bit more daunting for an individual perhaps a youtube manager or a social media manager to do that consistently so maybe maybe actually affording them a bit more freedom in terms of tone of voice and, and what was the training like most companies simply leave that person they don't they don't give it much importance first mm-hmm. of all mm-hmm. and because they don't give it much importance they don't train the individual mm-hmm. and then the individual is left there to try and decide these things about and also to just doubt themselves as to yep. whether they can hit this kind of tone of voice, et cetera. Because you have to have some degree or sense of ownership to be able to answer with any confidence, I think. Well, this is um, true, especially if it's a technical topic as well. If you're doing a technical, I don't know, mm-hmm. talking about your product or your service and it's quite technical, I don't think it's necessarily fair to expect anyone that's doing community management or social media management to be able to answer with that much authority unless they know the product inside out. So you also have to kind of factor in training on the product side or the service side mm-hmm. of whatever your business is offering. So that's definitely something to consider as well. But I just think every comment is a potential lead, you know, and definitely some comments can be quite frivolous. It's like, hey, I enjoyed the video. But some are like, hey, I really liked this idea or concept. Like, where can I figure out how to do this mm-hmm. service or take find this product? And if you happen to be selling that service or product, then you want to get on that quite quickly. I mean, we actually measured this back when we were working at um, Babbel. Mm. Um, we had a big customer service department and they were responsible to, for answering all the social media comments, including on YouTube. And every comment that had some kind of relation to product, they would link into the demo with a little short link that they could track okay. uh, that had specific to customer service, essentially. Mm. And then on a you know, weekly, monthly basis, you could easily see how many leads were coming from comments. Mm. And the number was relatively small, but the quality was extremely high. So you'd see like in the hundreds of leads coming through, and then you would see a really high conversion rate to the actual purchase of the product compared to the average lead coming through YouTube or any other social Mm. channel. So like the quality is definitely high, and then also just the kind of, I don't know what you'd basically call brand affinity that comes through it. You answer a comment, 
in a comprehensive way that adds some value or answers a question. And then you get these like effusive comments and response with heart emojis and stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, I never expected you to answer because you're some, you know, thought you were a faceless company. Turns out you have a bit of a face. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about YouTube, definitely. Yeah. And it's evergreen as well. You can get comments on videos that you've released maybe like three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Get a little bit overwhelming when you're trying to manage that. But it's, it's actually really, yeah, it's a really cool platform for that. But let me turn that question back around. <laughs> yep. I'm very curious because you've, you've had a different, I guess, I guess uh, a different line of work and a different set of workflows with YouTube. Could you maybe look back at your career and maybe tell people how long you've been working in YouTube for, but also what you would do differently? Maybe three things if you go back. I mean, I think the first YouTube video that I produced for a company was 2008. So that's 15 years. Damn. Eight, yeah. Shows how old I am. That's why we have 2008 on the website. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's really, Ed was an early adopter. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, so... When I first started with YouTube, then I was very, this is basically the first job that I had in marketing. So mm-hmm. I was kind of approaching it very naively. And I think that continued for the first company and a half, so to speak. So when I started at Babbel, we managed to justify YouTube as a channel mm-hmm. quite kind of cleverly through producing performance-oriented videos and showing how many leads, how many sales we could generate, tracking everything quite, quite accurately. Um, and then as soon as we got the justification for contributing more budget to it we hired and then we kind of had this thought that we could just do everything so let's commission videos from all these different freelancers on the topic of language learning and just kind of go big and it very very quickly got very overwhelming (laughs) so from a purely kind of procedural perspective it's extremely difficult to scale that quickly and then also purely for the uh, subscribers the viewers it's obviously very confusing Mm. what they're actually subscribing to because you have all these different times kinds of videos. So you could have an individual video that was successful by itself, but you didn't really have many kind of returning views as a consequence. And that was kind of one of the big things that I learned back then is the absolute importance of predictability in your strategy. So basically, as you would say with brand, it's very important to kind of be consistent and to repeat yourself over and over again Mm. to drive home the message of your company. Then the same with the YouTube channel, you need like a predictable strategy so that people know that you're going to release videos on one certain topic of one certain kind, ideally with a few recognizable faces mm-hmm. so that people can really build up a kind of relationship and an expectation of what you're doing. Yeah, and it took a while for me to realize that that was the way and that less could be more. And yes, you need to produce a good volume of content. I, I'm just checking <laughs> the cap. I can't see the little record sign, so I don't need to tell you off. It's good. It, it's still okay. recording. You can tell we're getting used to this, folks. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, so you need that predictability um, for, the, for the viewership and to build up the subscribers. Can I just come in there quickly? What tactically would you say you could do to increase predictability? Is it like release schedule? Is it the kind of consistent talent that you use? Mm -hmm. What would you... Yeah, I think those would be the first three things that come to mind, like ideally a presenter Mm -hmm. um, that is recognizable, that is in, you know, a video every week or every couple of weeks so that people can build that connection to them. Mm -hmm. And then I think to have similar themes and similar style of the video. So you talk about whatever topic is relevant to your company. And you're producing those kind of 10, 15 minute videos, maybe that are kind of informational or they're funny or they're whatever it might be, mm. but that people know what to expect. And I think in terms of, yeah, the cadence of the release, ideally on a weekly basis. And again, so that people know that your video is going to be there and every Thursday they could watch the video, for mm. example. Especially important, I think, if you're in like some 
uh, I think particularly in B2B or something like that, where people are using your channel in order to stay on top of all the latest things that are happening in, in that particular field, mm. um, then you can benefit enormously from having those three areas of consistency. Yeah, massively. So that was the first one. That was the first one. I talked for quite a long time. No, no, it was good. Uh, So one big transition, one big improvement I noticed when we were working together at Career Foundry was the moment that we went from producing everything in-house to outsourcing the editing. Mm. So when we went Mm. from shooting everything in-house and doing the edits to shooting in-house, but then outsourcing editing because that was the moment that we then created a backlog of videos and were guaranteed to have this weekly release. And then it gave us the platform to then be able to explore other formats and more frequent releases than every week and then be a bit bolder with different different kind of lines of content so looking into testimonial content and stuff like that there was a bit more brand building so that was a huge shift procedurally that had a massive benefit i think and you also like almost saw this kind of inflection point from the moment that the that we switched to that that the subscriber growth really started accelerating absolutely yeah that's a really interesting one and i thank you for that (laughs) cool and then maybe lastly did you have a final point my final point is similar to what you said Mm. so to be social to i mean it's pretty much identical to what you said to remember that it's a social channel and that means on the one hand yeah community management Mm. using the community tab all those kinds of things using the community tab to then not only necessarily promote what's happening on youtube but across the company yeah and then also to i think one thing that we didn't really do so much at Career Foundry, but it's to kind of really try and get themes and ideas for future videos from the audience so that they become kind of increasingly more involved and invested in the channel itself. And I think that's something we can do with Humble and Bragg, for example, because we know that we can just kind of stand here and talk about topics or we can produce course materials or whatever it might be. We can really like get ideas from the people and then, and then yeah, talk through our experience or research or whatever yeah, it might yeah. be in order to answer those questions and provide as much value as possible. Yeah, I really like that. And Let's be social. Yeah. Let's, let's correct social, all these things. And less humble, more brag, yeah, in a exactly. way. Or maybe more humble, less brag. Just a lot of both, I think. Yeah, that's what the people want, hopefully. If you're watching this, maybe that's what you want. If you're still watching this, that's definitely what you want. So thank you for sticking around. Was there any other points you had there that you wanted to? Those are the big three for me. So being more strategic, being making sure that we outsource editing mm-hmm. as soon as possible. From Hamilton Bragg, as soon as we have the budget, yes, to do that, and <laughs> as soon as until we... then <laughs> we're going to be editing, and then to yeah to treat it like the social platform that it was designed to be. Yeah, no, those yeah. are really good points, and definitely I think something that we would hope to do on our own channel as well, and definitely the social element I think is really important. So once we unlock the community tab, mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure of the specifications of how we do that. I think it's just, you have to be a member of the partner program, but it's a really nifty tool. So if you're watching this in a year's time, hopefully we've got a very well-populated community tab. Maybe you saw this video promoted from the community tab. Exactly, exactly. What is As we recording? surface old content and yeah. say, <laughs> look so how right we were. What would we, we now need if you really clickbaity kind of name for this podcast episode, I think. Yeah, the three things that you'll do, isn't if I can speak properly, that's also important. <laughs> this is us trying to speak slower as well. I find it personal. Well, I'm still dribbling. Hard. I don't yeah. know. I feel like um, I'm having a... <laughs> what you say? Three things. Are the three things you're doing wrong yeah. in your YouTube strategy or something along those lines? I find that those like three plus negative always worked well for blog titles and YouTube videos. Mm, I like it. Hopefully if you've clicked on this. It worked. It worked. But yeah, that's like a little short bit on the three things that we would do differently. Again, that's not the title. That's not informing the title. 
But if we would start over, and I think, as you said, you started mm-hmm. in 2008, um, slightly less prestigious with my YouTube career, starting in 2018, nearly 10 years ago. I think it's actually. a rabbit and a tortoise uh, exactly. kind of thing going on. <laughs> I wasn't going to make that analogy or that comparison. <laughs> but yeah, but thank you so much for watching. We hope you've enjoyed this kind of new format. We're just trying out some different talking points. And yeah, if you liked it, it would really help us out if you could like the video and also subscribe to the channel. And we'll see you in the next episode, which we're going to film immediately right after this one. Yeah, yeah. But you'll see maybe with a week or two's difference. Or maybe, I don't know. I'm going to stop talking about it in terms of like people watching in the short term and also five years in the line because if you're just... They're just going like, to see how we've aged, how our faces Exactly. Drop. I mean, I've had a haircut. I mean, if the company's going well, we'll both have <laughs> spectacular facelifts. Massive gold chains. <laughs> and just like a roll you know, things. Like, I've had a haircut since we last recorded. Mm-hmm. People will notice. I noticed you didn't comment on the. <laughs> it's fine. Gonna do it off camera. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll catch you in the next episode.